Welcome to Mindset 2022, a behavioral health podcast produced by Spotlight on Hope Incorporated and directed by Success Stories Incorporated. I'm Tom McNulty, the host of Mindset 2022. Each broadcast will focus on critical issues in mental health, addiction, neurology, and the integration of physical and behavioral health. Thank you for joining us, and we welcome your ideas and feedback. Welcome back. It's great to have you with us again, joining us on Mindset 2022. Before we get into our subject matter today, I wanted to remind our listeners that we have had tremendous feedback and success with our four-part series on suicide. And I think those of you that are interested in that or by virtue of your profession want to learn more about suicide in our country and suicide, especially among the age group of 10 to 34, because it's the second leading cause of death in our country, uh, will find our broadcasts to be very informative easy to understand and to share. So just a heads up on that. And uh, we hope that you'll take some time to review that. And please share uh, the podcast with others who you think could benefit from the information. So continuing on a theme of uh, children, I was going through articles that I've written in the past, and I came across one that I thought still had tremendous relevancy uh, to today. And I wanted to Uh, share that with you. It was written uh, for Business First of Buffalo, New York, Business First of Buffalo. And it was part of a 10-year period where I was a regular columnist for the newspaper. And I was asked to write about behavioral health issues in the community. So the heading and title for this particular article is called, We Need to Take Care of Our Troubled Children. And I'm just going to read it the same way I wrote it uh, many years back. In many respects, we are horrible role models for our children. Think of the Little League coach who screams at the player who dropped the fly ball or blasts the umpire for a missed call at second base. What's the lesson today, kids? The lesson is, act like a total idiot about something that is supposed to be instructional and fun. Or if you disagree with someone, make a public scene about it. Even better, curse loud enough so that kids will hear you. The lesson they probably will learn is, adults can be real jerks. Sadly, not many Little League parents would confront that coach about his or her behavior. Look at our own local school districts being forced by adult voters to drop music, arts, sports, and other programs because we don't think it makes kids better students and better people. Yet VH1 and other organizations launch campaigns like Save the Music to keep music education in the classrooms. Schools rely on businesses that get tax write-offs for dumping their old computers into classrooms. Today, believe it or not, there are over 5,500 identified fringe groups or cults 
that are known to law enforcement agencies across the country. Most members are white, middle income, low to high education levels, between the ages of 15 to 24, some are older. Being part of a peer group is one thing. Being part of a counterculture, destructive, demonic subgroup is cause for action. I'm still amazed at the parents who are more concerned about invading their child's privacy, interfering with their self-exploration, or potentially alienating them through confrontation than knowing their bedrooms, their friends, and their interests. A colleague of mine has always said, to know your child is to know your child's bedroom. Their bedroom is a guided tour of their interests, dreams, and ambitions. I encourage parents to spend time there and look around. You'll learn a great deal about your child. The recent school shootings and the dozens of copycat alerts in cities across the country should be frightening reminders that there are children screaming to be heard and understood. Who is answering the calls for attention, assistance, and hope? We tend to react to events instead of being more aggressively proactive. Schools and parent groups must be more invested in trainings from professionals who will help them with identification of those early warning signs. Games, videos, websites, music recordings must be exposed to parents and educators so they can be fully aware of what their children may be seeing and hearing. Invite local behavioral health experts to your school meetings, professional associations, parent groups, and town meetings. Across our country, more than 1 million children under the age of 18 have criminal encounters with law enforcement every year. Many hundreds of thousands of them are put in detention centers and prisons. Studies have shown the rate of mental disorders to be two to three times higher throughout the juvenile justice population than among the general population of young people. There are so many important issues in this arena that over 6 million children have a serious emotional disorder, yet less than 33% receive any form of treatment for the recommended period of time. What is to become of the other children who have not been able to seek care, perhaps because their parents don't believe in it? Will they end up in the juvenile justice system, become a victim of suicide, now the second leading cause of death for people between the age of 10 and 34? Will they get involved in alcohol or drug abuse or even drop out of school? The signs of trouble are often painfully apparent. We think to ourselves, quote, that's pretty strange. Or what's going on over there with him? Unquote. What we do with that reaction is often where we fail. We think it's a phase of childhood or adolescence. Maybe it is an expression of self, a desire to be different. Being different is what makes all of us individuals. However, common sense tells us when someone is daring us to find out, 
just how different they want to be. When an adolescent seeks identity through symbols of death, hatred, racial prejudice, satanic worship, vampirism, and other cult fascinations, someone better intervene quickly. On the other hand, a child who is withdrawn, doesn't interact with peers, isolates in their bedroom or in front of a computer or cell phone, avoids school functions, creates distance from family members, rejects religion, and is more interested in when they can get a tattoo or their tongue pierced, should get professional help. When adults do not take basic warning signs seriously, we teach our children to not take basic warning signs seriously. How many fellow high school students knew the shooters were troubled kids and failed to tell an adult? We must send a message to our children that we value them. We must bring more training to our schools and communities. We must support healthy pursuits like music, art, athletics, and educational opportunities. We must continue our efforts to demystify mental illness and addiction and advocate for early intervention. We must use our media to teach educators, parents, and children about avenues of hope. We must be better role models for our children. And that's the end of the article. As I said, I wrote this many years ago for Buffalo Business First, a newspaper uh, that is part of City Journals, which is all across the country in the United States. And I think uh, this was still relevant uh, today as I was reading it. Uh, we all see a wide variety of value systems that have direct impact on our children. One that comes to mind is accountability. Remember when if you did something wrong, you were accountable for it, regardless of your age? Remember when you acted up in school and you were sent to the principal's office for it to be addressed appropriately? Accountability today really depends on who you are, where you're from, and if your parents can get you a lawyer or not. We see this with DWIs. We see this with incidences, simple as they may be in schools, or violent as they may be in schools, where the child truly does not pay an appropriate price for their behavior. But don't blame just the children. We see this with adults constantly in our society today. You can break laws, but it depends on who you are, whether you're held accountable for those. You can even lead our nation and be out of office and still be held not accountable or have people provide excuses for your behavior. What we fail to realize is, as adults in these situations is that there are more eyes on us from children than we have eyes on them to curtail their behavior and to alter their thinking. They watch us, they mimic us, 
they model us, and they see what happens to us if we step out of line. And then we're surprised when they follow suit. Why are we surprised? We're showing them bad behavior and no consequences. And those are incongruent. It does cause stress, confusion, disillusionment, and a loss of hope. Yes, a loss of hope. When our kids expect one thing to happen and something entirely different happens. As the article pointed out in the beginning, the example of coaches, and we've all seen it, regardless of the sport, where a parent is the volunteer coach or the person is a hired coach and their behavior is grossly inappropriate, whether it's foul language, yelling and screaming, throwing things, how they communicate with a player who made a mistake. And for some reason, because it's sports, we're willing to accept that behavior. And our children, the participants in these sports, learn that this must be the way it is in sports. But then you go to the professional level and you see countless numbers of examples of inappropriate behavior with no consequences. We see it in the people that we think our kids look up to. And I don't know about you, but I get concerned about that. When the role models of our children are people with criminal records, uh, pending court dates, arrest records, and are constantly in trouble, but are frequently excused, or as the saying goes, the punishment didn't fit the crime. So I offer this today as a word of caution and advice for parents that we really must value our children so much so that we go out of our way to point out inappropriate behavior we go out of our way to know them better by knowing their room, their friends, uh, simple things like the posters they put on the wall, the things they collect in their rooms. Uh, some parents have told me that's a violation of their privacy. Um, that's really a violation of their future. Because if you don't take the time to know your kids well, know what they're all about, they are the ones that can slip through the cracks. And unfortunately, in far too many cases, when they slip through the cracks, it's a more serious situation. So a heads up to everyone who has children, works with children, coaches children, teaches children, to be much more aware of how you conduct yourself, how you model appropriate behavior, and to be open with them about the world we live in and have open discussions about accountability, responsibility, kindness, mindfulness, thinking of others. I'm very encouraged by the strength and sense of family of our friends in Ukraine especially with all that's going on and the stress and strife and the fear of impending death and 
and injury, and yet their strength shows the children what's important. Their staying together as families shows their children what's important. Their respect for each other shows their children what's important. So sometimes the lessons are right in front of us, the lesson plans, if you will. As parents, we all claim that we didn't come with a manual when we became parents, but we have many opportunities in the world around us to learn and to use those examples when we speak with our children and talk to them about the things they see, the things they hear, how to respect one another, how to respect older adults, people from different lands, different religions, different sexual orientations. Everything should be considered because we all are in the same category called human beings. And that comes with tremendous hope, joy, and responsibility. Thanks for listening today. My name is Tom McNulty. I am the host of Mindset 2022, and we'll see you next time.